Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to this edition of B Radio. Uh, tonight I have a show actually where we're going to have somebody representing uh, some of the opposing viewpoints. Some of you may remember him. Uh, uh, his uh, call sign uh, for the longest time actually is TVMH. He's one of the re- people that is the reason I even do internet radio is I caught one of his shows on Ron Paul TV um, and it inspired me to think about doing that myself. Um, he used to be TVMH, the eternal optimist. I'm going to go ahead and let him introduce himself now because I know none of you know who he is, other than those of you who may have listened to the torrent of the debate that we had some time ago. Um, so go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, thanks, VTV. My name is uh, Jason Barrick. Again, I go by TVMH in the chat room at uh, boldvoices.tv. I'm also the co-host of Overground Railroad with Brighton on Channel 3 at boldvoices.tv. Uh, we've got an interesting guest tonight. I'll just give a quick plug. We've got Allison Gibbs from uh, Ladies of Liberty Alliance. So uh, feel free to stop by, get in the chat room, uh, watch the show, grab a beer, smoke a cigarette, do what you do. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. And um, once again, folks, as I said earlier, uh, Zeitgeist TV and therefore B Radio are also featured on Bold Voices TV. Uh, there's a lot of good alternative media to be found there. Um, you may not agree with everything you hear, but uh, one of the big things about Bold Voices is that they were trying to create a uh, um, a network where people from any you know point of view could come together and uh, you know give their their story. So I got to give them that. Now um, today we're going to be talking about anarcho-capitalism um, and capitalism and free market capitalism in general. I recently made a blog post on bostontea.us, the national website of the Boston Tea Party, which I am still a member of the national uh, committee for. Um, We've had a lot of debates there back and forth, capitalism versus the Venus Project and the resource-based economy system. Um, And so uh, today I'm going to be reading from that. Um, We also have today, I want to go ahead and uh, have my other new panelist introduced himself. Uh, his, his call sign on Ventrilo is Paradigm. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. My name is Mario, and uh, I'm, I guess I would say that I'm more of a proponent of the Venus Project and the ideals therein. Um, I uh, am just hoping to kind of put in my two cents on, on some certain issues if uh, they arise and see where it goes. Okay, and um, we also have Chibi, who is asked not to introduce himself in every show. <laughs> so I can just, still say hi. <laughs> just say hi, Chibi. <laughs> yeah, um, um, but anyway, um, yeah, today is going to be a, a good show, a good panel. Um, I didn't actually get a chance to copy this blog post onto my V Radio blog. Uh, I do plan to do so. I wanted to actually give the uh, the previous blog post, which is about comparisons between the Green Party uh, platform and the Venus Project's principles. Uh, please get an opportunity to check that out. It's v-radio.org. So v-radio.org, hyphen between the V and the R. Um, so anyway, um, today, as I promised, we're going to be talking about that. I also have a couple of other things to read, but the uh, blog post, if you'd like to read along with us, can be found on bostont.us. That's Boston is in the place. T is in the drink.us. Um, and uh, you'll see recent blog posts on the right, and mine is Utopia, question mark, questions for anarcho- anarcho-capitalists and free market capitalists. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and read from this, and uh, what I will probably do so that we can you know, give everybody an opportunity to go point for point is I'll probably stop like 
every couple of paragraphs so that we don't get ideas that are lost in the middle of the shuffle and we can make sure that everybody gets an opportunity to really uh, give their opinion. Um, and uh, so I'm going to go ahead and start here. And thanks again for tuning into the radio. Um, once again, we have all the donations we need for uh, uh, for this the last month, basically. And um, the the next uh, pay, PayPal chip in is already up. Uh, it's already, somebody already went ahead and put ten bucks in it. But I really do only need a hundred dollars a month. So you know, if you guys have the money, go ahead. You know, but you don't have to worry about it until next month. So or at least towards the middle of the month at this point, because next month has started. Um, now. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and start reading. Obviously, I hear quite a bit about some of the problems that people see in implementing a resource-based economy as the Venus Project advocates. And during these debates, some good questions are asked ones. In many cases, I notice, I notice that the people are asking the same questions that they themselves cannot answer. Let's assume for a moment that we wanted to implement what anarcho-capitalists suggest, complete free market, absent of any government. And of course, we also have to get rid of that pesky Federal Reserve and switch to sound money. In fact, most free market capitalists that I talk to seem to think that it's the unsound money that is the root of all of our woes, and that despite the fact that even when money was based literally on gold and other precious metals because it was made out of them, we still had huge pockets of poor people in our society. Um, so I'm going to go on to, so then what? Will we just throw a lever and get rid of all the regulations at once? What about people who own property purchased during the fraudulent banking system? Obviously, we cannot have a free market where everyone is equal and able to compete if these mega corporations are allowed to retain all of the property they purchase with the Federal Reserve notes, right? Um, I'll ask one more question. So then what? Do we seize the assets of everyone on the planet and reset everything and create no regulations whatsoever? If the answer is no, then how do we propose to solve the issue that will happen when we suddenly switch to sound money that there is only a finite supply of? In this supposedly equal race, we will have people starting off in the 1,000-meter dash at the 900-meter mark. What kind of free market do you think will exist at that point? So hit us up. Uh, my, my first point would be um, the notion that unsound money is the was. I don't believe that that's the case. Uh, I think it's a major contributing factor, but I don't believe um, the uns our dishonest mon monetary system is the root of all the problems. Um, I think the fundamental issue is that there are people that um, endeavor to use force to take things that don't belong to them, whether it be another person's labor, uh, their own personal resources, or even their life sometimes. And that that uh, that usually falls into the province of government. Um, so I, I hesitate to, to categorize myself as an anarcho-capitalist. I'm more of an anarchist than anything. I do, I, I, and I do, but I do believe in Austrian economic theory um, and money. Again, you got to understand, all money is is uh, the most widely exchanged good in um, any market. So, uh, what would you guys think? What do you guys think about um, the use of aggressive force being the fundamental problem? Well, we certainly agree with that. Um, obviously, we don't we don't advocate force or coercion in any way. Not only because of the fact that um, obviously it's immoral; it's not even effective. You're not really going to get anybody's ideology to change by pushing them around. Um, you know, and that's obviously proven. You have all these people that think that, you know, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go slaughter the entire 
Russian royalty because after all it'll be it'll be better for everybody in the long run and there'll be all this peace and prosperity as long as we kill every man, woman, and child who happen to be Russian royalty when we're overthrowing them to become communists. <laughs> we're no stranger to those ideas. You know, I, I'm not into that. And I'm also not into, you know, well, we need to expand the, the beauties of the capitalist white race by slaughtering all the Native Americans and taking their stuff. You know, that's a great oh, way yeah. to get everything started. You know, and then there's, you know, the National Socialists are like, well, we'll have this beautiful utopia. Note I said nationalists. You know, after we slaughter all the Jews and take over the world. You know, obviously... <laughs> Those systems are not working. Um, but the major question really, though, is just how do we implement your system? What, what would be a transition in order to go from here to there? Well, I think you have to back up and uh, establish a few more uh, philosophical points. If you can stipulate that the fundamental issue is uh, the aggressive force uh, to take things that, that don't belong to you, if you can stipulate that that is the fundamental problem, uh, the next, the logical conclusion in my mind is the only fair system, uh, the only system that's fair to me is no government whatsoever. No government intervention, just let me do my thing, because once you introduce government, then somebody can manipulate it, and then I'm, it's, it's no longer fair to me, and it gives rights or uh, privileges to people that still want to take my stuff, you know, kind of like the Federal Reserve. Right. I think that's, so, I think that's an interesting point, but... I always wonder when you say things like, uh, you know, the fundamental use of force is one of the driving mechanisms of the, of the problems that, that occur here. I always wonder what's, that, what's the underlying cause of that then? Oh, uh, inbreeding? <laughs> oh, I don't know. No, no I mean, I seriously, I mean, if we're going to get to the point where we're saying that, because I, I agree with you, I do. I, I, in fact, I agree with you more than you probably think. Uh, if, if the use of force... Um, is really a, a, you know, the cause of, uh, of, of a lot of the ills and woes here, um, wouldn't it be wise for us to actually say, well, what actually causes it, and then try to not make that so? You, take, you find out what causes people to get violent or use force or whatnot, and try to simply take that away so that the, the environment doesn't pr produce that kind of activity. And I think that's kind of the fundamental way that the Venus Project or, or any sort of resource-based economy kind of approaches the issue. But uh, one of the reasons I think that people would use force, and I'll let you answer this in a second, is the implementation of scarcity. The fact that there's scarce um, you know, resources, then it's like, okay, now I have to look out for my own self-preservation. And part of that, all of a sudden, because of scarcity, requires force. Versus if everything was not scarce, if just simply being able to be alive, have, you know, a, a shelter, food, clothing, et cetera, was provided, uh, then there would be no reason for me necessarily to want to take something away from somebody else or defend myself preemptively against somebody else that would want to take something from me because of the very fact that there would be no incentive for it. I, your thoughts on that? I don't think scarcity is necessarily um, uh, or necessarily induces violence or causes violence. I think that I think it's much uh, simpler than that. It, it goes back to the individual choosing to be violent. Uh, I mean, there arguments been arguments been made since you know, the days of Cain and Abel in the Bible. I mean, there's there have in in my according to my understanding, there have always been people that will endeavor to take something that doesn't belong to them, and I don't I don't think you're ever going to get rid of that. Not not very quickly, at least. Um, my question would be. Um, as far as, you know, you believe the underlying thing is the force, but I wonder, 
in all, I mean, there's not force in all corporations. And uh, corporatism and force might go well together, but you don't have to have force to have an, a monopoly. A big business doesn't have to have force to come into existence. Just a monetary system can allow for it. Now, well, force and violence. Right, go ahead. Well, uh, uh, a couple points here. I, I don't really. I, I heard a speech by Ayn Rand a couple weeks ago. Uh, talking about there is no such thing as a monopoly because uh, money will take. Let's say a, a corporation has the only uh, oil-producing uh, equipment in the world, right? So they, you can rationalize that they have a, a de facto monopoly on the oil market. Well, if they raise their prices too high to where people can't afford it, um, they don't sell any more of their products, and somebody and people start walking or riding bicycles. So effectively, I don't think there, there is anything such as a monopoly. Um, by the same token, I would, if, that, if that company did exist that only had, it was the only company with oil-producing equipment, I would suspect that it got that way with the aid of government. So again, uh, I think the fairest thing to do is let people decide how to live amongst themselves. And then the stuff that you guys are talking about, that can be implemented. You, you asked me earlier uh, how you how we go about implementing this. Uh, I would I would just get the government out of the equation and let people deal with themselves because they will deal with themselves. I mean, schools aren't going to go away. The roads aren't going to disintegrate. I mean, we all have an interest in uh, keeping those things up so that we can all use them. I mean, you said somebody said earlier about uh, acting in your own self-interest. Um, one of the things that that I like to talk about in a free market system is it's to my advantage to help people that can't run as fast as I can. You mentioned the the idea of an equal race. It's never going to be an equal race because there will always be people who are smarter than another group of people uh, who have more skills and in other areas, and there's always going to be retarded people, sick people. Um, it's never going to be equal. However, it is always going to be in my own self-interest to help the people around me because the minute I don't help, help them, they're going to start stealing my stuff, and I don't want them to do that. So I will very likely help the less fortunate than me. Well, what if that backfires? What if that backfires and you help them, but you help them in different ways? For instance, you give them information. Rather than aid, you actually give them information and educate them, and they end up making a product or producing a service that's actually superior to yours, and then they take your business away. That would actually be kind of counterintuitive. So what would nope. happen in that case? Why that's not? That's a perfect example of competition. That forces me to improve my products. But I agree. I agree. Hey, 100%. Uh, However... Just go ahead and quick. finish your point. Go ahead and finish your point, and then we have a caller. Just, just let me know. Oh, great, great, excellent. No, I, I would say this. I would say this that indeed, what that does is it is it makes you you know get into the competitive mode and therefore produce better products and so on and so forth, and everything advances. However, does that translate into what actually happens in the world? And what we find is that what actually ends up happening is PR campaigns, uh, public opinion gets changed, or things are suppressed, or um, Various tactics are used by the corporations or, or the parties involved in basically maintaining the ability for them to just stay at a certain level, not progress, and simply realizing that, you know, all you have to do is just convince enough people that, that everything is, 
is as good as it can get or whatever, or the other product is much more inferior than yours. And that actually ends up working quite often. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes in some technical fields it doesn't. But oftentimes when it's really complicated, it, it oftentimes it's like really easy to sell a product uh, without having any sort of merit and not having to improve it in any way, shape, or form. That's based on, to, on the current paradigm today. And I, I don't consider uh, the market such as it is uh, currently to be a free market. It is a, it, I, I consider it to be a, a warped and controlled market. It's crony, it's crony capitalism, not, right. not, ca not pure capitalism. Well, we will, we will certainly get into that. Let me, let me bring this caller on the air um, just to see what they had to say. Uh, caller, uh, your number's coming up as 111111, so I imagine you either used Skype or the computer itself to contact me. So uh, you're on the air. What do you have to say? Hi. Uh, my name is Joe. I called before. I'm a libertarian. Oh hey Joe, what's going on? How you doing? Did you? Not too bad. What's uh? Did you have a comment for the show list so far? Well, I just got here, so um, yeah. I think the guy that's on the call now, I think he's a libertarian, if I'm correct. He sounds like it. Anarchist. He, he's an anarchist, but he's yeah, anarchist. very close oh, to even him. even better. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> what I'd um, what I'd oh, like good. to say, uh, what he did say, uh, the two points I'd like to make. The first one is about oil. If oil goes up, then people will just revert to bicycles. That, um, to a degree, will be true. However, since our economy and all of the world is based upon petroleum-based products and oil in particular. Um, if oil goes up too much, or if we don't get enough of a supply of oil, then trucks stop running, and then we don't get food. And, um, and even if we do um, go to the bicycle um, mode of transportation, that will cut down on our convenience, make us uh, very ornery as a nation. Um, and it's what's called an inelastic type of product. You need it no matter what the price is, but if the, um, if the supply goes down too much, then it's going to affect the economy in draconian ways. And that's the first one. And the second one about, um, oh, I wanted to ask you, V, about this. I forgot your, I forgot the host's name. I'm sorry. But mm -hmm. the, the basis of your Venus project is that there's going to be some sort of benign uh, behavior modification so that the, what I consider, if you remember, to be the, the instincts of man, to be greedy, avar avaricious, um, selfish, etc., to be somewhat modified so that we will all live in, a, um, in, a, in an environment of, of harmony, which I'm all for. Right. <laughs> what right. kind of behavior modification do you think would be effective that isn't effective today, even though religious schools are using behavior, trying to use behavior modification through religious teaching to try to curb that type of um, instinct? Well, largely it has to do with the fact that it, it's not even really... I mean, like, when people say behavior modification, they immediately think that, you know, you're going to get people up and make them watch images over and over again or whatever other stuff you see. But it actually just has to do with the circumstances or what create the behavior in many cases. Um, Peter Joseph, actually, I need to give you another link to his most recent uh, uh, thing about this because he did studies, for example, on feral children um, and how feral children obviously were totally created by their environment, their value system. Like they, he talked about three different girls who were basically raised by dogs. Right. And their you know, their value system was basically that of a dog. Um, and that's an example of you know like we're just talking about creating an environment that's conducive to people not fighting. Um, just like uh, Pavlov's chickens, a lot of people know about Pavlov and the bell ringing and the dog salivating and all that. Mm -hmm. He also did a study about chickens, wherein uh, you know the chickens that had everything they needed, 
they always got along. They didn't fight. You know, they didn't have any problems. I mean, um, and the, but there were other chickens, obviously, that he induced an environment of scarcity by giving them less and less feed, and eventually the chickens would start hoarding the feed, and they, he actually got chickens, you know, an animal that is not generally a very violent animal to kill one another over feed. Um, and that's, that's an example of, like, when you talk about behavior modification, it's, it's not really a matter of, like, you don't go brainwash people in so much as just you try to create a situation where there isn't anything to fight over. Um, and the value system, this is another really important aspect. It has to do with the education initially when it comes to childhood, which is that our ideas of education have to do with um, basically really uh, focusing on analytical and critical thinking. Um, this is also so that you can prevent any kind of oppressive power structure from trying to take power. Because when you think about it, a lack of education is what makes these things possible. It's the reason we're losing control of our country right now. The average well, person is I not mean, educated dumbing, as to what's yeah, going on. The dumbing down of so a we're talking about, right, we're talking about creating a society of people where trying to do anything like that is not really going to go over because everybody is aware. Everybody will be raised to be aware from the very beginning and to think very logically um, and use the scientific method to, you know, whenever possible. To I try remember to that. I remember you want to use a computer, have. which I think is a good idea. The, but the question it, that it, I, well, yeah. but the, uh, the kind of question that I'd like to have answered is, how is the behavior, you know, the behavior modification, I'm not thinking of it in terms of Germany or subliminal uh, Coca-Cola type of, um, you know, imp watching images over and over again. What I'm thinking of is that the religious schools already have their behavior modification in place. But mm -hmm. the people who graduate from these schools, you know, can end up being senators and can, can end up being congressmen or cutthroat businessmen. Now, when you talk about scarcity, we have people today who have all the money in the world, and yet they still want more money, and they still want to rob it from their nouveau riche uh, people, and they still want to go after conquering the world. They have everything, but they still cannot curb their instinct for domination. Well, in many cases, are you, are, was that it? Are you concluded? Yeah. Just so uh -huh. I can a answer your sure. question. Okay. Um, the 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 instinct to dominate is also largely uh, a product of scarcity. Um, it's the reason why, like you know, for, if you've ever seen, for example, there was a good movie recently uh, called Blindness, and it was about basically like this alternate future where like everybody catches this virus or whatever and makes everybody um, blind. And what you end up with is obviously it created a circumstance of scarcity because the, they weren't being very well taken care of. They just shoved these into this prison that was supposed to be a hospital, gave them a little bit of food. And, you know, and, and so what happened, of course, was people, you know, this group of guys, they, they managed to find a gun um, and they dominated the food sources and they wanted everybody to, you know, to give them things. It was a reaction to the fact that they never knew how long they were going to have the food. They didn't know how much of it they were going to have. There really wasn't enough for anybody to feel satisfied. And that's what basically motivated these people to do it. And this sort of thing happens all the time. Our solution is, is that nobody in that situation would have been fighting in the first place if there was more than enough food for everybody. You know, then the behavior and the need to do that goes away. It's just like the squirrel who gathers way more nuts than he could ever possibly need for the winter because he's reacting to the possibility of scarcity. Um, I think I heard Chidi keying up. Did you have something you wanted to say? Uh, well, as far as the um, religious schools, for example, uh, you know, you could call that some some form of conditioning, and yet, um, just from my own religious background, I know that that really confuses people, because when they go out into the world, that what you learn about in these schools and what you see in the world conflicts. You know, obviously the world doesn't operate on some sort of Catholic or Christian value system. So 
they don't buy into that. It doesn't work because it's not part of their overall environment. So you can drill something into somebody's head all you want, but if that's not the reality of what they see in the world, it doesn't have that much of an effect. Now, if you take like a monk living in the Himalayas, then yeah, because he's not really influenced by the outside world, he might be able to live that way. Uh, it's too, you know, um, if you're actually expecting, you know, tell somebody all these things as a child and then they go out and see other things, they're going to conform to whatever society is. And as far as rich people who just have more than they could ever spend and keep wanting more, I don't even think it's about, I mean, maybe the underlying what created the situation could be scarcity. But where they are now, it's a matter of this affluence that it's their identity and it's how they value themselves as an individual to keep doing these things, to keep making more and more money. And it's how they, pretty much it's how they derive their own self-value. And the society kind of sustains that because they, we look up to, you know, they, it's like we look up to people who are prosperous and have money and have, you know, Lamborghinis and things. So the more you have, the more you want because you want to keep getting that, that um, high from, you know, feeling like you're just so great because you have all this stuff. Of course, the objects themselves don't really matter. If you spend, you know, $100,000 on a gold toilet, you know, it doesn't have any real use, doesn't really make you more valuable, but just to say that you did it to, you know, whoever is part of your own cultural group, it's, it's like you're trying to one-up each other over and over. There is some competition involved there. Obviously, it doesn't have any real use, but they derive some sort of personal value from it because that's how our culture is. I, right. I think Joe. I think Joe gives a, a very good example of acting in one's own self-interest in an irrational fashion. Um, further, that irrationality is supported by uh, the entity of government. If there if, if if there is no government protecting them, raping raping and pillaging in in the proverbial sense, um, then they have to adjust their behavior. And this goes back to, to what you were asking earlier, uh, V, about implementing this. I, I think with an, under an anarchistic system, you would start to see people behave a lot differently. Well, I, I definitely I would that. warrant that. See, I like, um, I like I the Venus Project. I'm sorry. I like the Venus Project, no. and I like the anarchy. I'm a, I'm a Spoonerite. I'm a person who believes in individual contracts. I don't like government. I don't, I don't even believe the Constitution is legal. I mean, and even if it is, it doesn't matter to me because of the... Um, Declaration of Independence is putting in through the wisdom of Thomas Jefferson, either fortuitously or deliberately, unalienable rights. So if we are, if we all have unalienable rights, that means we are all born free, and no Constitution of the United States of America or any country has any bearing on me, philosophically. Pragmatically, it does. So I agree with the call about anarchy, and I agree with the Venus Project. I think, I think from what your um, co-host was saying was that. If you can actually instill values in people, which we can, you know, become inculcated with, and if we see those values being played out consistently in the environment outside of the indoctrination uh, environment, and they um, are cohesive, then I think we'll tend to stay good people. If I if I think if I'm getting that right, do I understand that? Yeah, correctly? that's basically. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry to, yeah, sorry to cut off the anarchist, right. but I I agree with them. <laughs> No, that's totally fine. Um, now, now, what I wanted to get at, though, which is kind of the point of the of the show in general, um, is just 
Okay, so you say to get the government out of the system, and you know we definitely agree that you know governments are bad. I mean, you know, like I said, I, I actually almost went so far as to say that you could even create a, a school of anarchy out of what we're talking about because we both want to get rid of it. It's just a question of now. When, it, when we when we talk about this, though, you know, the the, the statements that I make, things along the lines of, uh, for example, you know, and Joe, if you want to check this out, you can go to bostont.us, and I, I wrote a uh, Boston T. Like Boston is in the place, tea is in the drink. Dot us. It's the okay. national website for the Boston Tea Party, um, which is a kind of a splinter libertarian party. Um, and uh, basically, I wrote a blog post about this called Utopia: Questions for Anarcho-Capitalists and Free Market Capitalists. Now, so would we throw a lever and get rid of all regulations at once? What about all the people who own property purchased using the fraudulent banking system? Now, I guess the question for you, TVMH, then is that. Do we just let these people keep everything they already own and switch to sound money? If they, if if your if your property was gained um, using fraudulent methods, uh, yeah, I'd say you got to forfeit it. So we would basically or face the wrath of the people who think you need to forfeit it. Forfeit it to who though? I don't know. That's an interesting question. Another thing. Here's the, here's the thing we should talk about because it's always nice to rather than look at all the you know, positive aspects of one system or the positive aspects of another, which is fine. That's, that's not a bad way to go about it. It's always a nice thing to look at just one thing that disproves the system. Like, if you can find just one thing that's absolutely, you know, incompatible with a certain ideology or a certain way of doing things, that's a big issue, and that needs to be addressed. So maybe we could type, try to talk about, like, big issues that are absolutely incompatible with fairness or with, with, you know, a beneficial society if we implemented the Venus Project, or I don't even want to say the Venus Project, a resource-based economy, because that's the bigger term. Or well, we can look at, or we can well, talk about, me, like, you know, before, what, I'm sorry, before we get too far off the topic, because this, this is a major point, and I, I will let you get back to that paradigm, I promise. Um, it just is to do with, so you're, you're suggesting then that people should have to forfeit any profit that they purchased uh, through the use of the fraudulent money system that we had previously. No, no, that's not what I meant. That's not. Okay, what I, mean. I wanted to clarify because I was like, "Wow, I don't, I don't think that's what you meant." <laughs> no, okay, okay, hold on. Let's do this. Let's do this real quick. Um, just for the sake of, just for the sake of giving like a, uh, an example. Let's let's just like use really small numbers or like one specific case. Um, give me an example, V, of what you're talking about. Like, let's say that, I mean, give me an example of what you're saying. Like, let's just say you know, um, family X, you know, Jane Doe and. And, and Bob, you know, Bob Doe have a family, and, and they they somehow, you know, amassed a bunch of money somehow. But like, what? So what are you saying? What happened with them in particular? Um, like, what is your question? If you had to phrase well, it just in, in the in the form of a family example. Look at look at it this way. Um, you have family X, whose uh, primary breadwinner uh, is arrested and put in jail for saving marijuana. Right? The government now has his property. Um, the government should return that property to him. I would say that that property was gained by the government in a very uh, fraudulent uh, and aggressive manner. Right. Similarly, um, you could you, there's a couple there's several ways you could do it. Um, owners of the Federal Reserve Bank, you know, if they're um, they're obviously gaining property through the use of uh, dishonest uh, monetary. Um, tactics. So, um, but then again, me being an anarchist, I wouldn't be inclined to, to mess with them. If, if the rules and regulations were gone, I was free to do what I wanted, uh, as long as I wouldn't hurt anybody else. 
uh, I would just let them deal with the people around them. I mean, because there's going to be a lot of pissed off people. You can switch over to an anarchist society that works in about a month. Or you have to you, uh, you think that the... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Basically, I, abolish, I just want to reemphasize before abolish you reply. The Put okay, it in the hands of the Treasury. Abolish all, right. all, the, all the agencies. Um, because now we can print money without interest. Um, if you have an honest government, let them take care of the people who are now out of work since you abolish the agencies. Um, I, would, I would allow them to be on unemployment insurance for two years because it's going to be a vacuum. Um, let the vacuum be filled in by businesses or by the Venus Project's um, technicians. Use the same monetary system. Just don't have it paying out interest. Have a fair judicial system, which you'll need in the Venus Project anyway, so that in case there are disputes, and I'm, I, as a Spoonerite, I only believe in contracts that are signed by consenting people. I don't like the idea of elections because elections can become too corrupt. So now people who think, who read the newspaper, now wake up on a Tuesday and say, oh, my God, Monday there was a coup d'etat. <laughs> what do I do now? Just go to work. Just go shopping. I think, I think but, that that system that you're proposing is – sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I'm, I'm about 90% there. Go ahead. <laughs> and I'm at your page, by the way. Are you I.N. Douglas? Uh, no, I'm BTV. Oh, okay. Um, if you go over on the right, there's a post called uh, uh, – Hey, utopia questions for oh, you know for anarchists, capitalists, and free market. Yeah, that's that's basically. But okay. you know, the the point that I, let me real quickly. The, the point I really want to get back to then is just that. Okay, so we're not okay. We're, we're not going to necessarily seize the property then. So the people who are already in power because of the Federal Reserve system, we allow them to retain the property that they have now. Is that what you were getting at, TV image? Again, that's a that's a difficult. Um, scenario. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's lots of solutions. I'm not trying to dodge the question. I'm, I'm actually just telling you what I would do. I wouldn't do anything because um, in the absence of um, uh, an abusive federal government, abusive state government, abusive local governments, in the absence of those, I get to live my life and do what I want. I'm not going to spend it trying to prosecute people. I, I'm perfectly content to let them deal with the wrath of uh, people who are uh, less than happy with them. Uh, so it, for me, it really it's a moot point because I'm not going to be interested in what's going on there. Okay, so, but so the the extra power that these people would wield then is not really an issue. Oh, I, Chibi wanted to say something. Go ahead, Chibi. Well, I keep I, I feel like okay, you're blaming government for everything it seems, which I would agree. But I mean, to an extent, government is allowed for corporations to do certain things. They bend the rules for them. And it no, gets exactly. Rich, definitely. But even without government, that just takes away the few regulations you have. Now, if you have, let's say, a fruit company that owns all this land in in Colombia or or South America or wherever, and you take away government, they still own that land. What changes? As, if anything, it allows them to, you know, basically do whatever they want. You know, well, it you goes take back borders and tariffs, and and you have, I mean, government allows for the corruption even though it sets up certain rules that are supposed to prevent that, now government has sort of been corrupted by corporations. Um, right, well, it, it goes back... Sorry, go ahead. That's why I well, think... Well, I'll ask another question real quick. Oh, okay. Without the regulation, um, you know, the corporations no longer need the government to bend rules for them. They're free to do whatever they want if they're already in that position. So if you're not... Um, 
you have to somehow break that down. I mean, this is what, like, where the Venus Project is talking about trying to, or the resource-based economy, rather, wants to take the resources and um, instead of having a group of people that control these resources, but rather have automated, cybernated systems controlling those resources and distributing them everywhere equally, um, so you don't have any one person or any group of people in control of that to say, we're going to distribute it here at this cost, and only some people can afford to get it. And I don't see exactly where the government comes into play here. Even if you take the government out of the picture, it doesn't prevent that sort of thing from going on. It, it goes back to what Mario was saying earlier about uh, competition. Um, if, if Let's say this company in South America is abusing its resources and land and, and whatnot. Um, it, it's doing so in its own irrational self-interest because it, if they were acting rationally, they would be inclined to help the people around them and not abuse their resources or their land because they'd be subject to the whims of the market, not the whims of government. They'd be subject to the whims of the market. And you, you're going to see, uh, you know, when, when, when you start talking about anarchy, people think like, well, there's never going to be any rules and any this, and it's going to be, uh, you know, gangs in the street. Well, we, we have gangs in the street already, and we certainly have a lot of rules. What we don't have um, is voluntarism. So I, I wouldn't, in talking about contracts, uh, if I was going to uh, go into a contract with somebody, I would want that contract sanctioned by some sort of group, or an arbitrator, if you will. Sorry about so that. So regulatory agency. No, no. Voluntarily, no. though. No. But see, how do, you, how do you make people volunteer to do altruistic things in a system no. where the only, where, the, where literally the driving mechanism in a system uh, that is free market is making money, is making profit? It has nothing to do with, quote, unquote, doing the right thing or well, anything no. like that. I, I find that very, I, I, I think that's almost like diametrically opposed in, at times. And I think what you're, what you're assuming is like this, I think. It's, it seems to be that you're assuming that if a company does something irrational, which, you know, any sort of money-making company is by definition irrational because all they're valuing is money, not human life. But anyways, let's just say uh, a company does, you know, uh, do something irrational and, 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 you know, destructive to the environment, let's say. Like, for instance, a chemical company that produces aluminum has the uh, byproduct of fluoride. And they say, well, you know, to dispose of this, it costs us X amount of money. Well, rationally speaking, they would say, and it is rational, that, you know, we have two options. We have the option of paying to, d to do something about this, uh, paying to make it such that it doesn't pollute or whatever, or, or, and this is what most chemical companies do, they say, well, let's take our waste product that we are making no money on and try to sell it somehow. And that's exactly what happened with the fluoride industry. It got, it got started because of it is aluminum, it's, it's an aluminum byproduct. And they said, well, how can we market this for any sort of purpose whatsoever? Well, uh, there's a little bit of evidence that fluoride is an antibiotic and it kills bacteria and so on. So we can just say we should put it in the water and make people's teeth healthier because there won't be so much bacteria in their mouth and there would that's be what, less. That's, that's all that is by government, though. Which, which no, no, no. It, initially, initially, it was actually lobbied by the industry itself. And without right. government, it would have just been but, implemented immediately, actually. So, but, but the FDA has a say in it by saying, yep, it's good, you can do it, no problem. Um, the, FDA is comprised, the FDA is comprised of mostly individuals that are part of the, in, the, the industry itself. I can, yeah, me, yeah. I can answer that from an anarchist's viewpoint with, with regards to contracts. 
you eliminate the, regula uh, the regulators. So now anybody entering through a contract will enter uh, that contract with a dispute clause. How do you settle a dispute? Therefore, you have a, you can either, you know, you don't have the judges, but you have certain companies that are set up to be mediators. Then you, t you pick those judges in a, consensual, um, in a consensual way. Now, getting back to the United Fruit Company, um, let's say now, you know, there's no more fascism, um, right? But they own um, the land which belongs to the people. They, I still believe that they'll probably, uh, they'll still want to have profit. So how do you conquer that? Well, you take a look at their, um, at their behavior. Have they garnered the land? Have they acquired their resources through um, irrational means, by killing, which they probably have, or by violating their own contracts? Then you have to have a fair and a, and a swift judicial system. You have to have that. And if I knew... I'm sorry. Sorry to interrupt. No, I'm if sorry. I knew no, no, that I'm they finished. were, I'm finished. okay. If I knew that uh, they were killing people to acquire their resources, and I would actually pay a, um, an entity like Consumer Reports or somebody like that, I'd subscribe to a magazine, that's right, uh, or whatever. If I knew that they were killing people to acquire the resources, I would not buy from them, and they would oh. suffer the consequences of the market all the way through. Well, but you what if you have... didn't know? Well. well Hold on well, a second. It, I, I, I would I, know. Go I ahead, though, because you I go would ahead and know. Do your thing, and then I'll, I'll, I'll state. I make my statement. Go ahead. I, I would know because I would pay somebody to collect that information for me. It's okay. my government. So, see, well, you would have to have an inkling. You would have to have like a reason, a rational reason to suspect. And you would. If you didn't have any reason to suspect, you would have to have that reason to suspect first. Because I do have a reason. People already okay. All right, well, let me, let me make a point because this is actually in the blog, okay? Um, and this has to do with the fact that, um, actually, it has to do with the fact, because we have this argument all the time with, with uh, anarchists, uh, anarcho-capitalists in particular, that they don't trust the mob, for example, the, the people to make laws. They, that's why they oppose direct democracy. But that same mob, the consumer base, is supposed to be the people who are going to be the arbiter of ensuring that everything you know, is done in a, you know, in a way that's supposedly good for everybody. And obviously, we know that that's not working. This is not a new thing. We say, well, yeah, I wouldn't buy from them. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that that's already proven to be a fallacy because Walmart makes all kinds of money buying from people like that. Nobody cares. You know, you know, there are activists like us. Yeah, we don't buy from them, but we're obviously not a good example because even if we disagree on what we should be doing to save the world, uh, we are the minority. The people who are actually interested in this shit are the minority. The people on the other side of things, basically, the ones who, you know, the average person, is more than happy to pay for their $50 DVD player and doesn't care who they hurt on their way to do it. You know, and it's basically, people know now, as Chibi is pointing out, you know, <laughs> to spit out here, is that Walmart, become known that they use slave labor and poor products, but people will still buy there if it fits their monetary limit. And that's actually one of the reasons we feel that monetary systems, uh, greed-motivated, profit-motivated monetary systems don't work, because even the consumer is, is at this point only concerned for paying as little for their products as possible. And they have specialists whose entire purpose is to sit around figuring out just how, how crappy they can make something, you know, uh, and to get away with it, as the story of Stuff talks about. It's a very good documentary. Right. But again, the, the current paradigm actually uh, discourages competition because it's highly regulated. Again, we don't have a free market right now. It's a highly regulated crony capitalist market. There's a big difference between that and free market theory. 
Mm-hmm. But isn't that inherent? Isn't that inherent with uh, a free market system? Because if you get a corporation that makes something and it has a certain manufacturing process and whatever, like for instance, let's just say you had a in a car company or something like that. Um, or let's oh, just say you're right. Let me answer that. that. You're right. Because John D. Rockefeller with tried to kill his competition and tried to wipe out exactly. his competition. So I agree with you on that. Exactly. Yeah. And that had nothing to do with government intervention. That, had, that, that was just John D. Rockefeller being like, yo, I'm the big dog in town. You guys but, want nothing. But he did it with the help of government. But he didn't really. Yeah. He didn't Absolutely. really. He did. Yeah, he did. He did. Uh, uh, afterwards, sure. But initially, initially, he had, it was almost nothing to do with government. No, that's it was almost nothing initially to do with it. It was, only, it was only at the point... Only at the point that he could get influential because he had already made so much absurd amount of money that he started doing mental thing where he started tinkering and, and putting uh, you know pawns in places that the, that oh, could uh, you know provide him with certain um, beneficial so he was stuff. right but he was my point is he was using the government to destroy his competition and right but that's that only because right. the government just happened to be there I mean it happened to be that we had a government oh, yeah. initially uh, in the, but initially he wasn't using the government that's the point but if the government was, the was not there he could not look the an, an, a libertarian anarchist point of view, we don't we don't preach utopia. We do say, let's say John D. Rockefeller, which is a good case, or or even Al Capone, if they have competition, they have to. They can only kill so many people before other people react. They have they still have to reduce prices, and they still have to perform uh, and give a product which is um, going to be bought by the consumer. They still supply a better product than if the government's involved. Yes. They are immoral people, but that's the point of the Venus Project, um, trying to make sure that people don't grow up to be a psycho as John D. Rockefeller. If you read his biography, his his father was worse than he was. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, well, and, and, and because of scarcity. Mean, that's true. Well, let let me give you an example of one of the problems with the free market system that would occur. Nevertheless, I mean, even though even if there was no government or whatnot, I can give you a good example with medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something called supply-driven uh, uh, selling, and that's basically this. Let's say that you just create this amazing new technique to, uh, to use for, let's say, analyzing somebody's genetic code, or let's say a, an MRI machine, which is a big, expensive machinery. Mm-hmm. And let's say that in reality, you only have to use it very, 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 very seldomly. Uh, and therefore, and, and it does cost a lot of money, but you, you think to yourself, wait a minute, if I could just, I mean, we have this MRI machine here now, or we have this genetic testing procedure that we can do, like, you know, and it's, a lot, it's really expensive to run this thing. I mean, it, you know, it's like $300 each for 15 minutes or 45 minutes or whatever it is. Like, and I know we're not supposed to use it for many cases, but now what if we can tell people, the consumers, that they need to use it in certain cases? What if we can say, hey, it's a good idea to use it here. It's a good idea to use it here. Um, That's fraud. And that's exactly what happens. But that's, it's, it's not fraud. Is, fraud. Yeah, it's, fraud, not it's, fraud. Right it's maximizing. Right. It's maximizing profits. You're, I mean, that's and fraud, that's, though. But and, and that's exactly what the free market is, then, right? No, not absolutely entirely. not. Not entirely. Not entirely. But well, there's another thing you need to take keep I in mind think, here. I take actually personal offense at that because I, I, the work I do is not fraudulent whatsoever, and uh, the, I actually hold. Uh, the lives of human beings paramount in my work, and I'm well. You're you're an exception. That's because you're a you're, you're an, an exceptional person. individual, right? Yeah. You just you so oh. happen you just so happen to have uh, compassion and some sort of humanity inside of you, but that's not what any sort of big corporation has. I mean, that's where the that's actually where one of the big problems is. I mean, how, how do you well, well, understood? Here's understood. the thing. Here's the thing. I understand, I understand. Okay, well, I understand what you're saying. Hold All on, right, guys. Let's talk about each this. other. Let TVMH talk for a moment, and then I let me just make this point. I understand that. And I'm willing to live with that as long as I don't have to 
except the government entity um, screw everything up. Uh, I'm content to let people be as shitty as they want to be, as long as I'm free to defend myself. Wouldn't it? Uh, that's fine. And uh, you know what? I think that's a better place than we are right now. I'll definitely say that. I mean, where we are right now stinks, and it's because of the fact that we have this kind of intermingling between government and industry, and it just becomes like industry is driving government and telling you know every, the government what to do basically, and it enables things to happen that really are just devastating. And it's a better place than we are right now if we simply got rid of government. I agree with that. However, that's the first step. That'd be the that first the fir- step. I agree. That is the first step. And and possibly. Possibly. Isn't it the best idea, though? If you just think in, in the general broad sense of things, to take away that need to make profit, rather to, to, take, to take away the need to make profit and replace that with simply the valuing of human life. And if, is it possible? The question is, is it possible to do that? That's the real question. And I think it is. I, well, I, I agree, it too, but I, I don't do think agree. it has to be um, through a dramatic uh, overhaul of the society that we have today. Again, if you just take get abolish the Federal Reserve, put it in, put the power in the um, in the hands of the Treasury with no interest, and allow honest people to regulate the uh, the flow of money. The poor, if the regulators um, take a look and see the disparity between the the good and the I mean between the rich and the um, and the poor, they can actually just ease out, extricate more money into the system, so that the poor mm-hmm. can get more money. You don't really, you know, uh, the Venus Project is a project which is worthwhile. But, the, but human behavior and human instinct is a very complex thing. It's going to take a hell of a long time for people to get acclimated to the idea that, you know what, I don't have to scrap and scrape and, and save or, uh, dog, or engage in the dog-eat-dog uh, type of behavior. Maybe so. You said a very interesting thing there. I'll, I'll let you talk. Go ahead. Yeah, okay. Well, I wanted to bring up a point here that actually talks about, because, you know, obviously we're not going to be able to have time to go through the whole blog post today because we've had such great conversation. I'm reading um, both. And... <laughs> Thank you. Um, now, basically, what it is that I, I wanted to get on actually has to do with some of the things that anarcho-communists have said that I actually think make a lot of sense. Um, and if the, if the goal is to eliminate the state, okay, um, and that, that's the plan in question, anarcho-communists basically state that capitalism actually will end up inevitably, any system actually where you're, you're doing wages and property and all that, will end up creating another state or something very similar to it or something even worse. Now, let me go ahead and read the quotes. Um, anarchist communists argue that any economic system based on wage labor and private property requires a coercive state apparatus to enforce property rights and to maintain unequal economic relationships that inevitably arise from differences in wages or amount of property. And anarcho-communists reject mutualist economics because they believe that market competition, even non-capitalists, inherently create inequalities in wealth and land which would lead to inequalities of power. Thus, the recreation of the state and capitalism as some workers would have more access to capital and defense force than others. Because remember, in an anarchist system, everybody's basically responsible for their own personal security. So mm-hmm. at this point, you're going to have these mega corporations. This is what I'm worried about. Even if we get rid of government, um, government at this point at least enforces you know, general law. Um, and mind you, you know, they do a piss poor job. Of it. We've already been over that. It's very easy for anybody with money to buy it. It's another reason why you can't have any kind of governmental system where there's money because it's, it's just the highest bidder. Mm-hmm. You know, but at least they have to make an attempt to look like they're trying to protect the common good. In this system, you know, if we just suddenly gave like, you know, an evil company like Monsanto, which I have no qualms about believing that that company does not care about human beings at all, if the ability to hire their own mercenaries and start doing whatever they wanted to do, and if you don't like it, our security companies will come after you. 
I don't see them not doing that. I mean, as it is right now, they're polluting the whole world, you know, and trying to own all food. You know, and I guess basically, in other words, in an attempt to rid the world of a state, their own means of exchange will simply create a new state. It may not call itself a state anymore. And in fact, because it would be for the common welfare, it would simply become a tool of fascism to the highest bidder. Um, so go ahead and comment first, TVMH, um, based on you know, those arguments from anarcho-communists. Well, first of all, I'd like to thank you for let, uh, having me on here. Uh, again, I'm TVMH in the chat room, Jason Barrick. Uh, TVMH over at boldvoices.tv. We're on tonight at uh, 9 o'clock on Overground Railroad, Channel 3. Um, what you were just talking about with Monsanto is, is what's happening now. I mean, they're trying to control the food. And I, the anarcho-communist viewpoint is a, is a very bleak and um, uh, pessimistic view, I find. Um, because everything that you just mentioned is happening right now. Whereas if, if you take away the ability um, for them to rely on government assistance and government protection, um, you'll let the market work it out. You'll let people make their own decisions, and it, it inevitably has to get better because it sucks right now already. No, I agree that it, it sucks right now, but I don't think that um, – the, the, the point that they were getting at, which is that, is that at this point – Anarcho-communists are addressing anarcho-capitalists directly by saying that you know, they reject mutualist economics because they believe that market companies, even non-capitalist markets, inherently create inequalities in wealth and land, which would lead to inequalities of power, thus to the recreation of the state and capitalism, because they, uh, those with more money would have more access to capital and defense force than others. And with no government at that point to protect the people with less, there really isn't anything to stop somebody from hiring these mercenary forces that anarchists talk about using instead of a military to just accomplish whatever goal on. Well, I think they'd be very unwise to do that. Well, it's, <laughs> that's a difference of opinion. I don't know. I, I guess it's just this is one of the reasons well, why... We're going to fight. No, no, I'm not saying we won't fight. I'm not saying we won't fight at all. But especially as sexual advances are being made, the, the, the plight of, the, of the, the, the simple man with his gun, the Minuteman, is becoming much more difficult. The more money that you have and the more profit there is to be made on it, I mean, uh, you know, the, the, back in the day when you having your hunting rights put you in the same position as, say, the Redcoats who were marching in your street, then having your gun was enough. You know, unless you're looking forward to a YF-22 Raptor that's going to drop a bomb on your house and, you know, and harm nobody else's property, at that point, are you going, how are you going to fight that without just massive slaughter? That's why it'll lead right back to a fascist state. That's uh, the risk I'm willing to take. I, okay. Uh, first off, okay, I'll wait till you finish. No, no, go ahead, Joe. Oh, I was done. Okay. I I, I understand um, Anico's communist um, point, but he's assuming that it's going to escalate to bombs, bazookas, pretty soon laser rifles, and all of that. I happen to agree that as an anarchist, the people will sell the disputes um, with guns. But very, very few people have the stomach of doing um, a, a huge, consistent, and persistent amount of killing of other, of other human beings unless there's a cause involved, unless we're brainwashed to believe our country is being invaded. Now, once you get past that, you have a few range wars, as you did back in the 1800s, with advanced weapons, but it will eventually die down. Also, if you have a system whereby you don't have interest paying on money, and you can distribute, and you can just um, spread the, the money around, not the wealth, spread the money around through the, uh, through the new treasury. 
people will acquire more wealth, even though there's still going to be a disparity between the rich and the poor. But a poor person will have a hundred thousand, hundred fifty thousand dollar house, employment, a good family. We're assuming that we have family values reinstilled, um, and you won't have to worry about that after a while. There will be a time, you know, a new system comes in. People are going to say, "Oh my God, what's happening here?" And they'll react in such a way to be almost barbaric. But after a while, there's the fact that there will be killing. It will affect the families personally. Um, all that will die down just like it did back in the 1800s, even with advanced weaponry. And it won't escalate to the, where a corporation is going to drop a bomb in this competition. You know, well, let me, uh, I, I hear a, you know, let me make one really, one more really important point. Okay, we also have to remember about the fact that's already happening now. We deregulated a lot of the media, for example, and what we deregulated is what allowed Rupert purchase 70% of the world's media. He doesn't even live in the United States, and he has more control over who we elect as president than any American citizen. And in a free market, it's just to be allowed to own the media. And I guess that, in fact, maybe even more of it. Now, I think I heard Chibi queue up. What did you want to say, Chibi? Well, I just had a, uh, a few points or questions that I think as far as the anarchy system and what it can do to solve these problems. We have things like farming practices where topsoil is eroded and wasted. Like, where is the incentive to invest in other type of in other types of practices when you're not going to make money from doing so? There's no, as far as if you're just talking about free market and take the government out of it, there's no incentive to do unless, of course, you've gotten to the point where you just can't make any food anymore. You have things like oil and, well, okay, then you have, well, there's, if you have two, well, if you have two farmers, <laughs> then what is competition going to do to make one of them invest a whole bunch of money that they probably can't even afford, they're going to have to get a loan to do it, into some other type of farming system that they're going to spend the rest of their life trying to pay for. They're not going to make profit from it. No well, matter. No, I mean, it's, it, it would necessarily have to be a more efficient system. Right. Well, And then you have something like um, oil, uh, sorry, soy, for example. Um, it's a cheaper alternative to a lot of different things. It's used in different food and cattle food and infant formula and flour and all these things just because it's cheaper. We don't know if it's necessarily healthy, and I'm not going to get into that, but it, in the interest of growing soy, what do we do? We destroy all these rainforests in South America and New Guinea. Um, I don't think so much in Central Africa, but we basically destroy biodiversity, um, drive, drive different um, species. Hey, real quick, Chibi, pause there just so I can tell the listeners. Um, I know TVMA sadly has to go. Uh, Joe, if you want to stay on the line, we can go a little bit past the, now, like the last 90 seconds. So those That'd of you who are listening live, um, we'll good. continue the broadcast, and uh, you, know, you, can, you can tune in later to the archive. I hope we can have you on again to talk about this, TVMA. Uh, I really like the way you articulate it, and it's, it's very good to, and refreshing that you can debate this topic and stay calm. <laughs> that, that would be my pleasure. <laughs> Likewise, I'd, I'd like to say it was a pleasure having you on too, man. Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys. Uh, All right. Take well, care. We're down to the seconds of the live broadcast. Once again, uh, I will see you guys later. Thanks again, TVMH, uh, from Bold Voices TV. And um, we'll just continue the conversation. Go ahead and continue with what you were saying, Chibi. I just wanted to tell the live listeners what was going on. I, I kind of, my questions were for TVMH. I guess he's leaving. Maybe the other caller can answer. But okay. I, I don't see where anarchy and with 
free market still in, intact is mm -hmm. going to prevent problems like this that are different yet kind of nobody really gets into that. They don't really know. They're like, well, I don't know. Don't we need soy? And so we're burning the rainforest, but does that really... Right, well, I'll know? answer that if you want me to. Where does the free market um, serve to issues where we're going to invest and spend more money than we're ever going to make back, back in our lifetime into systems that are going to be sustainable and clean and not just diversity? All right. Well, for one thing, the free market shows by virtue of it being free, whether or not uh, when a company is profitable or not, if people want is being, uh, what's being offered. So if you're going to take soy, um, we also, and if you're going to take the anarchist type of system, let's take everything out of the situation today. So let's, in other words, let's make sure that the government's out of it. Now, if the government's out of it, then what happens? We have soy, which will be um, investigated by people who are who have uh, biochemical degrees and see how soy can be actually used better. We'll use hemp in addition to soy, which hemp right now is being restrained through, via the government. Um, and if, it, if still it doesn't make a profit, it's showing that people don't have a need for what's being offered. If, it's, if there's no need for for whatever's being offered, it's, it should go uh, by by the wayside. Now, if other people want to come along, like philanthropists, which we do have in America, and want to donate um, the resources in such a way to people who, you know, who need it but can't afford it, why not? Well, the thing is, it is useful. There's, it's used in many, many different things, so there is a market for it. Right. And yet, that market doesn't really address the destruction inherent in that. So. That's what I'm not really understanding. Um, even if the individual might, I mean, it kind of goes back to the Walmart issue. You can know that there's slave labor involved in this, this, and that. But if you're not very, you don't, you can't afford to drive, you know, a certain distance or, or pay more for your goods, mm -hmm. you're pretty much left with no option but to go to Walmart. And, I mean, even today, I'm ashamed to admit, I shop at Walmart for certain things because it's, you know, the only place they can afford to go for certain things. Well, I'm not ashamed to, to say I shop at Walmart because uh, the, the kind of so-called slave labor that they have overseas, a dollar fifty an hour to a person overseas, is more than what they would earn if they didn't work for Walmart. Now the, now the responsibility of the people who are engaged in the slave labor, who still don't have the, the kind of niceties that we have in America, who still, uh, still live in depravity, that's because of the government over there still being in, in bed with the companies over here to have a fascist and a dictatorial state that the people over there can't enjoy the fruits of their labor. But I don't... I don't well, fall, all the government... Sorry, go ahead. I don't fault Walmart for shipping um, their their labor overseas and for hiring people at a you know dollar fifty an hour as opposed to $10 an hour here. Because it's not. No, you can't fault them for that. You can't. That's the best. See, that's the issue. You cannot fault them because it makes business sense. It makes very good business sense. The problem is that that never translates into, you know, actual compassion or actual sense of like you know creating good health for people. There's no measurement. Even you know, there's no measurement for life um, quality. How do you measure the quality of life? But why would it? The other thing I want to point out is that the government increase like where they allow this to go on, all they did was drop regulations. They didn't 
force this on yeah. their own people. They just drop regulations, the interconnections move in. Right, they exactly. destroy subsistence economy. Places where people used to live off of the fruits of their own land, and once you bring in the market, the market is what destroyed that in the first place. Well, they didn't have to it. use guns. They can use, you can oh, yeah, conquer well, with a dollar. Yeah, that's, that's the whole problem with government. If it's corrupted and they start using guns, that's the whole problem. It's, the problem isn't... Well, capitalism is not the um, it's not the savior of mankind. It's just a hell of a lot better than having government in bed with uh, uh, with um, with corporations. We know as um, libertarians and as anarchists, you know, there's no such thing as utopia, at least right now. And capitalism is a better answer than all the other answers, except perhaps the Venus Project. But again, the Venus Project needs to educate people by the millions in order for that to really become viable. And it can be done, but it's going to, you know, it's, I don't know how it's going to be done, but I'm, I'm, I'm a, I think it can be done. But the, to answer the anarchist's um, philosophy, people have to become educated enough to know their rights enough so that they can engage in contracts with other people without government interference. Now, V was saying you still need uh, some sort of government type of enforcement. No. Uh, what you need is your own enforcement. I have, there's a, there are situations where people cannot do what they should do because of laws. If they violated the laws, the problems that they would have could be solved in five minutes. But because of fear of the police and being politically correct and the government in, uh, being influential and having the guns and sticking their nose in everybody's business, you can't take care of those problems. A lot of problems may have to be resolved with minor violence in order to have um, one's lifestyle be maintained in a rational way. But the now, problem is, is, as soon as you open that door, just really quickly, as soon as you open that door, you're, you're basically at that point giving up, you're giving way to the might-make mentality that is what immediately turns anarcho-capitalism back into fascism. Because then he who has the most money wins every time. It almost actually replaces the state with I, I disagree with you on that, V. I think if it's taken to its natural, logical, what I would consider sort of like a science fiction type of progression, yeah. But just because a person gets into a fight doesn't necessarily mean that the billions of people that are living on the planet will get into a fight at the same time for the same reason over the same concern in the exact same way. But if you have government with guns controlled by people and, you have, and they're and you have the people who are being victimized and their people, you're going to always have conflict. The best thing is is to have, how do you have conflict, or try to eliminate it through the Venus Project, through, you know, uh, no scarcity, how do you have conflict that can be positive as opposed to it being negative? In order to, to attain a, a rational lifestyle, you still need conflict, because you have to um, uh, go against the government. I'm, I'm against any conflict. The conflict, in my opinion, would simply be problem-solving. Rather than, rather than trying to take or have you know, this tug-of-war type mentality, that's, mm -hmm. that goes by the wayside, and instead we just think about the, the, the general sense of solving problems rather than self-preservation at all costs, because that's kind of what it seems to be at, at, you know, at, the, current, at the current state. And you know, when we're talking about solving problems, all of a sudden the free market model goes by the wayside because... The free market model is predicated on one fundamental principle. More is more. And something like the resource-based economy would be predicated on something like this. Less is more. In the sense that 
in the, re- in, the res- in the resource-based economy, you're not trying to maximize output or throughput. You're not trying to maximize that whatsoever. What you're trying to do is, in fact, minimize the consumption and maximize the recyclability, uh, maximize the amount of, like, for instance, if you make somebody, if you build somebody a computer in, in a resource-based economy, you want that person never to come back for another computer again. It'll be problem because technology improves and so on and so forth, but you still want to formulate things to last as long as possible. You know, it's just like the DMV. You know, you get, you get, a, you get a, um, a, a driver's license, and they tell you, okay, come back in 50 years, because they don't want to have to deal with making a, you know, having you back in there and in and out and all the – so they say, okay, come back in 50 years. That's kind of that same idea. You know, you build somebody something like a car or whatever it may be, don't ever come back. Here, I'm going to make this as, as good as possible. I'm going to build you something that's not going to break down or whatnot. And you use less resources that way. You consume less. You have less um, need for repairs and all that kind of stuff, and everything just kind of functions better, but it makes no business sense whatsoever because in, or, in order for it to make business sense, you'd have to charge that person instead of, let's say, $20,000 for a car, $20 million, right, or $200,000 or, $200, or something like that, and it, nobody could afford it. It wouldn't, it wouldn't make any sense. And so, therefore, I agree that, like, you know, taking out government and whatnot may be a good idea, but the free market in, inevitably and invariably is this form of tug of war. You want to get a job, and you want to get more money to, to, to work per hour. Your employer wants you to work for them, but he wants to pay you or she as little as possible, such that, such that you know, maximizing profits and all that stuff, that right. creates tension invariably. And there's a, I'm just thinking there's a better way around that. Well, there is. The Venus Project is one. Right. The Venice Project is one way, but the, ca- the capitalist um, type of methodology works, too. If you have Rockefeller, who wants to kill off the competition, who wants to pay his workers zilch, um, trying to bring a product to market, and if he did have competition, if he couldn't kill off all the competition, which he couldn't do, um, then what happens is, even though you have the Rockefeller psycho, who's trying to get more, using more resources as opposed to using less, then you have the competition coming aboard, and he has to produce a better product at a cheaper price in order to maintain market share. So the, um, right. Let me ask you a question real quick. Real quick, a question. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how can you is, show me a viable economic model for producing less and you know having people consume less that would somehow profit you? How would you? How could you possibly profit if you produce and, and, and people consume less? Consume no, you don't consume um, less necessarily. Why should you have to consume less? But you have because the whole what if you, because the idea, for instance, with the computers, let's say, right? What would you don't give have you an incentive to build a really? Mm-hmm. What, what would give you the incentive to build like a really structurally sound computer or, or a car that doesn't break down? And it, let's say it costs you just as much to do it. Um, and yet you can you can do it you know you can or it costs you sorry it costs you a little bit more to do it let's say right. but you know you can also but also what that does is it translates like you know you use higher quality parts or whatever or you use you right. use non uh, non gas driven engines where they don't break down like electrical vehicles or whatnot sure. and you don't have to replace them for seventy thousand years or for seventy years and it doesn't cost a whole bunch of money it costs right. seven thousand bucks let's say why would you want to even do that why would you even want to try to produce that kind of a vehicle for somebody well, right. in an you're economic right. model. You're right, because if you try to produce a vehicle which was going to be, um, it would never be destroyed. It would be as sound as a NASCAR uh, vehicle. You know, if you crash into a wall, you know, and you can walk mm-hmm. away, it would cost about $2 million. Nobody could afford it. 
So if they could afford it, if they wanted it, they if there were enough people who wanted that, that's their choice. Then they can go and try to buy it. Now, if the, if the car company, like the DeLorean, which failed, which probably was, you know, an inside inside job as well. But let's say, um, you know, uh, I don't know, let's say General Motors. Well, let's take any kind of company that's trying to produce that. If people don't want it, they're not going to buy it. So, yeah. So what happens is the company is going to produce um, compromise, whereby they'll get enough consumers, make a profit, consumers will be happy, they'll buy it, and innovation grows. Well, now, it's, it's not just whether or not they want it, it's also what they can afford. Which right. And furthermore, yeah, and furthermore, innovation, this idea that innovation is driven by the monetary system, I find that patently absurd, and I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. Name me a Nobel Prize winner that did it for the money. That did Einstein. it for the money? Only for the right. money? Right. Einstein didn't do it for the money. Yeah, All he many, actually many, did. No, he really didn't. Most yeah, of these people he, that he had promised his... He, well, that's a whole other well, thing. He didn't actually get into like wanting money until he had a bad divorce and needed money. That was when he finally got into money. That's yeah, right. no, yeah. I mean, people need right, money even, when, but when they so, have. But even so, that's kind of a bad example because uh, the point is, I don't even know exactly what what the point is, is because you know, if somebody when people play basketball, they don't do it for the money. I mean, except for pro basketball players, you know, you do things because you like to do them. Well, that's actually what we're hoping that people will do, but in many cases, people can't do the things that they would like to do. Um, like, I'd love to be a robotics engineer, mm-hmm. and I'd love to have a degree in alternative energy. I can't afford to. It, it'll never happen in my lifetime. The money to go to college is simply not there. You're right, but you um, know what the that's, problem That's where the lack of the freedom of choice comes from. That's true. But you know what the Here's problem Here's another is. thing. Here, the problem is the monetary system to me is not the problem. It's the present monetary system. Now, remember, every time a dollar is printed, there's always interest. So there's always, and that interest always goes back to the printing press, the Federal Reserve, which is not really in the best interest of America. Again, if you take that away from a private corporation, and if you could have it monitored by honest people without interest, because I think Canada was thinking of this type of system as well, you can judge by the population, by the GDP, by the uh, disparity between the wealthy and the the poor – how much money is necessary to pour out into into the economy to make the economy grow, to have people um, have what they want, to have less dissent, and you don't have interest to pay back to take out of the economy. So as an anarchist, as a libertarian, I thought of that, and I said, you know what, it sounds pretty good in theory. I'd, I'd actually like to find out um, what people think about that. You know, to have a monetary system without interest, have it monitored by somebody honest, because the whole thing that that we know is the at the crust of what's going on today is corruption. It doesn't matter what system you have, even the Venus Project. If you have corrupt people, you're going to have uh, a ruination of a system. Well, real quick, let me let me let me interrupt a little bit. There is that the the whole thing that you're talking about, almost all of it, has to do with the fact that the, the reason that these systems get corrupted is because they almost always use money. And they always have social stratification built into the system. That's where corruption comes from. Because we don't use money, that's actually how we're trying to get out of the, corruptive, the corruption cycle that happens all of these other isms. Now, um, real quick, though, uh, we have, like, other callers who have asked to be added to the call. Sure. So I'm going to start with uh, James. Oh, go, wait, wait, let, let Chibi answer first. Well, I feel like we passed it. Um, just as far as what you were saying, I feel like none of the no barter system addresses technological unemployment. But aside from the original question I presented um, 
two or three different scenarios. And the answer with education is, is the answer to that, meaning that if people are educated properly, they won't buy from people who destroy biodiversity or pollute or this, this, and that. But um, I mean, that's a pretty complicated subject within itself. But my, I guess to simplify the question, where is the monetary incentive to educate within itself? I mean, if, if you take Africa, for example, I mean, where is their monetary um, incentive for somebody to go over there and say, okay, we're going to build colleges and we're going to educate the people, and yet the people don't have money. They have nothing to trade or offer you for that education. So where's the incentive to do it within any kind of free market or barter system even? So I guess. All right. Well, another thing I, I would point out is just that um, basically when you when you think about the profit motive in these circumstances, it's inevitable. That that's where in you lie a problem. In the Venus Project, we don't have profit motive. The the the, pro the motive is everybody has the best possible quality of life, and we feel that through the proper application of technology, their quality of life will even be better than that that the rich people already enjoy. Now, let me go ahead and go to our callers. We've got James Cavanaugh. Uh, go oh, ahead. How's it going? So I really enjoyed the show tonight. I just basically wanted to be added towards the end. There were a few things I was kind of misunderstanding. I'm more or less a layman to the entire concept, actually, having only really been introduced to it in any depth tonight. Um, one of the major issues I've seen, I, I've seen so far and things that I've been looking at is it seems almost as though a, government, a governmental regulatory body seems to be in some way vilified just because it's governmental. Where do you think the, the natural regulatory or regulation would come from in a, in a system in which free market capitalism was truly employed? And I suppose the best, the best example for how I seem to be misunderstanding this is it seems at the moment that we almost have a government that's operating entirely in the interest of corporations. And in my opinion, it's, government seems to be an extension of corporations um, and to say that they are simply acting in some sort of strange other interest it would be my contention that a government is a corporation and um, in the situation of a free market economy will we not simply be eliminating any moral moral responsibility and replacing it entirely with money if you know what I mean, I'm sorry if that seems a convoluted point but it just seems as though no, I, I'm, I see where you're coming I'm, from. I'm failing to differentiate between it, it's a like government I said earlier, James. That government that's elected via monetary uh, preference or economic survival of the fittest. Right. That's I, I made that point too. Uh, go ahead and answer, Joe. Okay. It is a survival of the fittest, and you're right. The um, I don't know if you consider the government's a corporations. So I, I think eventually the, the government's going to be ta uh, the government's going to take over the corporations, and then it's going to be like China, where it's going to be state owned. But to get to your question about uh, human greed and stuff like that. Right now, what we have is human nature, which to be disagrees with me on, as being the driving force. Um, I think of it, I think of uh, human beings being somewhat complex and that they have both good and bad. When the bad is out there in the form of greed and they want more and more and more, I think they want more regardless of scarcity. Um, how do we deal with it? We have to use human nature of greed to fight fire with fire and you have to set up competition. Now, I agree with V in that if we could educate the people um, to, so that they, you know, their egos wouldn't be so easily hurt, they wouldn't feel the need for uh, keeping up with the Joneses, then we could have a society in which 
it'd be the Venus Project, where people wouldn't want more, they wouldn't care about jobs, uh, they wouldn't care about uh, being like the Rockefellers. But since we do have the human nature of today, how do we deal with it? Through the capitalist system, which by itself is not perfect. If we could get to the point, because the, the major um, premise of the, the Venus Project, and, and mine too, would be educating people so that they don't have to feel that their ego is so damaged if they don't have what other people, if they don't have what other people have, um, then you can go towards at least a semi-utopia via the Venus Project or via some sort of honest capitalist society. Well, real real quick, real quick, guys, just because we're all talking over top of each other, just kind of let me be the chairman of the meeting, so to speak. Uh, I'm going to make one comment. Um, I think that believing that the, the government and the corporations are separate entities is actually kind of a is kind of a bad. I don't I don't agree with that statement, and the largely because as like you know some of the documentaries we read, you know, is that the government is corporations. It's almost entirely made up of people who are in some way working for some big corporation. Dick Cheney and Halliburton, uh, Donald Rumsfeld and Mont- you're, you're already looking at it. It's, they're just going to exert the same authority. The difference is that they're not going to have to at the same time pretend to be trying to look out for our, our well-being. Um, that's what I think will happen if you get rid of government in a capitalist system. Now, uh, Thunder, you wanted to pipe in? Yeah, I just, uh, you know, I, I, I'm trying to wait for the right time to chime in here, so I may be retracting a little bit, but I keep hearing this talk about educating people to not be greedy, and, and that seems like a lot. That seems like putting the cart before the horse and kind of going backwards, when if you just remove... Uh, the tool that causes them to be greedy in the first place, because greedy is not natural. You're not in, you're, it is not natural to be greedy. You know, there's no human nature that says we're greedy or we're corrupt or we're selfish. Those are all um, indoctrinated traits, okay? So why go through all the hassle of educating somebody to not be egotistical or not be greedy or not, and none of this, instead of just, why not just remove the, the root cause of all that, which is money. And all scarcity, right. therefore, of. All right. Well, let me ask, okay, you want me to answer that, or what? Yeah, go ahead. No, okay. So let me answer your point, B, where you're talking about where the government and corporations are together. You're right, but you're saying take out the government, and therefore you have gov- the corporations being the same as the, uh, the government. Well, the corporations don't have guns, so... Well, but in in an anarcho system, they would, because in an anarcho-capitalist system, you you purchase your own guns, you purchase your own mercenaries. That's That's why the anarcho-communists don't believe that anarcho-capitalism will will keep us free of a state. It'll just let people be able to make their own little states (laughs) and and use them to oppress other people. Go ahead. And uh, let me answer the gentleman's point about, I disagree totally where he says, you're not born greedy, you're not born egotistical, you're not born selfish. If you put kids down who don't have any kind of education whatsoever and you put them in a playground, they will naturally gravitate towards domination. There will be a kid who, yeah, they'll play, but it'll be like cats playing. You ever see cats play patty cake? They play patty mm-hmm. cake and then they fight. So uh, kids will play patty cake and all of that. Then which kid has the prettiest object? The bigger kid will want to come along and take that pretty object. That is natural. That's because there's only one of them. If, right. if all the kids have the exact same item 
There's nothing for them right. to be domineering over. There's nothing for them to fight over. I use that same, I actually use that same child psychology myself. If I buy a toy, I, yeah, I have two children, I buy two identical toys just to avoid this problem in the first place, and it does work. Mm, okay. I mean, yeah, that's a good point there. Um, but still, what about answering the question where, why are people nasty then? Why are people, why do people get jealous over other people's boyfriends and girlfriends? Is that scarcity? A lot of that is actually, it's culture, it's uh, social stratification. Like, for example, uh, let, let's, that's actually a really good point, uh, jealousy, for example. In the Eskimo culture at one time, it was actually completely acceptable. If you came over to my house, uh, I would give you my wife to sleep with. Um, and culturally, in fact, if you refuse, you would be insulting me, and then I would kill you. <laughs> that, that's well, the Eskimo yeah, well, culture. Okay. Yeah, the American Indians did the same thing. Yep. Okay, um, but then that still instills... Okay, the reaction then... But hold on, just one second, mm-hmm. one second, real quick. Because you asked the question of, well, what makes people jealous in the first place or something like that. Well, guess what? There's no economic system or non-economic system or anything that can address that problem, really. Because all, if, if it does get addressed, it's always just going to be happenstance. Like, you know, uh, the Venus Project comes along and people just kind of realize that, you know, these kind of aberrant behaviors are just irrational. But it's not necessarily because the Venus Project came along. It's because there was a shift in... In, in values or something that occurred, but in and of itself, there's no economic system currently or theoretical or whatever that addresses that issue anyways. So it's, you know, it's not like free market capitalism, for instance, would prevent people from getting jealous. In fact, it would be predicated on it. You're jealous, therefore you want to keep up with the Joneses to keep consuming, to buy my product, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Well, right, it, has to, do with, it, it has to do with ownership. It just has to do with ownership, this whole value system that we hold today about owning a woman or owning a maid or, uh, you know, it's my wife. And this whole ownership mentality is what is what breeds that kind of thing. Right. And the social stratification of having a mate, particularly one that's attractive, you know, is, is a very serious factor. And in many cases, you're, people are jealous because of the fact that somebody else is taking their social stratification. It makes them look bad. It makes them look weak in some way. Um, you know, and, and it's actually, it's a major motivating factor behind jealousy. It also, you know, at that point, it's, it's just a matter of, you know, the guy who gets dumped gets looked down on as a loser. Um, you know, and that's, those are all issues of culture because in some cultures, for example, that, that's totally different. That's the reason we keep bringing up, like, you know, and you've really got to watch Peter Joseph's recent um, uh, argument about this because, you know, like bringing up the feral children, I think, kind of trumps any issues of human nature just because... <laughs> You have, these are kids that grow up uh, like being raised by dogs and act like dogs. It, their value system is that of, the, is that of dogs. What is even more a world in which we redesign society, not only the economic system, the societal system, to a point that women admired men for different reasons. For example, right. let's say more contributory to society, nicer people, less selfish any number of these different things. I will actually say that it was my opinion for a long time that pretty much the entirety of Western civilization was about 90% reliant on impressing the opposite sex. And it was it was exaggerated. But when you really come to looking at how much we really do want to seem manly in this world, it can really muddy the waters when you come to looking at what we should really be doing and what women should really be looking for in mates given, the, given the, the, the shift in evolution to a point that we no longer need people who are stronger or more competitive. 
we need well, people who contribute. Definitely, and it's it's also like you like you said values about what people find attractive. You know, if I like honestly, I already feel this. Like you know, if I were to date a girl, I wouldn't want to bring her to my house. I live in a trailer park. So why is that relevant? It's relevant because we live in a society where money and all that is part of social stratification. Now, we have two other callers, and also I, I want to take a moment, Joe, to say you should really join us on Ventrilo, the voice chat. I think that you know, it, you're an excellent conversationalist, and the fact that you're kind of in a unique perspective because you do appreciate the free market capitalism and the Venus Project equally, then that, that puts you in an interesting perspective, and I think you'd really enjoy uh, participating in our Ventrilo. Um, when do you it, have that? Uh, it's it's all the time actually. Uh, it's it's up all day. Um, it's basically a voice chat program. Uh, you can enter on the internet. Um, and uh, what's the best way to show him where that is, guys? What's the best way? I'll get a link. One moment. I'm not in okay. the chat but if you I'll, repeat yeah. the link, I'll I'll be glad to put it in the uh, in my browser and uh, and look and check. Yeah, and then because we'll give you we'll give you a link to a tutorial. Now while he's looking for that, I want to bring up Mario 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 Cost is also on the call and, and add a question. Mario? I think that's Mar Mario Savio up above Mike, Michael Lee. Okay. Uh, yeah, there, well, there were two others. There was like, I have two Marios sitting in here, so I was going with the one <laughs> up top. Uh, can you hear me? Mario Koss is me. I've been on the show. Oh, what am I doing? Day. I'm being a dumbass. <laughs> okay. Mario Savio, what's your question? Um, I didn't have one. He said I had a question. Oh, you just wanted to tune in to listen. That's totally yeah. fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, that makes life easier then. Um, yeah, basically, yeah, if you can come on Ventrilo with us, Joe, uh, it's a voice chat program available on the Internet. It's free to use, and uh, it, it works more like a walkie-talkie. So, like, you know, you have to, you have to hit a push-to-talk key button, uh -huh. and, um, and then, you, then you could be the person talking. And, and we have these conversations all day there. Oh, cool. uh, so, yeah, I figured you'd you what. Tell you what, just go to thezymovement.com, and then under the communication tab, there's going to be a, a few tabs there. There's going to be like main, understandings, take action. Under the communication tab, it's under voice chat at the very bottom of the communication tab. And then just click on that, and it will give you all the instructions of how to download it and all that stuff, all the links you need. Okay. Now, you're going to have to say that a little slower because I, I wasn't good at secretarial are you still <laughs> Are you still in the blog talk radio chat by chance? Who, me? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm calling on a private line. Oh, okay. I'm not inside right. the I'm not inside the chat room, but I uh, let me see if I can get there because if I can, uh, go to the zeitgeistmovement.com first step. Okay, hold on a second. Zeitgeistmovement.com. All right. Z-E-I-T-G-E-I-S-Zeitgeistmovement.com. Let's see if I spelled it right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now you see a communication tab. Oh, you're actually, under, yeah, you're going to have to pick English first because there's like yeah, different yeah. versions of the site. No, you know what? I'm at Z-E-I-T-G-E-I-S-T, movement. Oh, I, I didn't put in the E there. Okay. Because of my browser, I can't. All right, this should We're not quick. quite there just yet with the technology. I was... <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it's just that on my on my browser, I can't see what I'm typing in because it doesn't show uh, until I until I um, hi, until I light highlight it. It doesn't show what's in there. So I'm uh, most of the time I I, tab, I type blindly. 
But now I'm at zeitgeistmovement.com, and all I get is Big Daddy. Big Daddy. Daddy. All right, you know what? It's the, the, T-H-E, the Zeitgeist Movement. Yeah, the zeitgeistmovement.com. Oh, okay. Then I'll be Mm -hmm. there in just a second now. Here I am. Okay. Now, I go down at the bottom. Click English, huh? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're... And then there's a communication, communicate tab or communications tab across the top along with other tabs. Oh, another thing I have to do is engage my scripts. So, I'll have to do reload the page, then enter it, and then uh, I'll get the... Uh, the tab. Oh boy, join the movement. Right. You don't want to join the movement. English. I think he. I think you have to be. You have to sign up and be a member before you can access. Oh. No, you don't have to do it to this. You should okay. be able to check it out. You should just be able to go to voice chat. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah, it's it, under communicate. It's under voice chat. Just all you have to do is mouse over the communicate um, tab at the top of the screen and then just. Um, uh, and voice chat. I'm there. Okay. I cool. Sign and now, now everyone that's listening to this knows how to do it too. So that's it. Wasn't all uh, lost cause. Okay. <laughs> Glad we yeah. it. I'm there. Ventrilo service status. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Thank and you. And that'll teach you how to get in. Um, what's your uh, just just by just for uh, uh, just just asking? What's your name going to be if you uh, if you make up of uh, an account? I have to put uh, this call on hold real quick. Hold on. Um, I don't know. Um, I don't. Know. Venus, Venus Anarchist, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I guess. Uh, let me see. Let me see if I can enter into there now. Use a login instruction. Uh, you need software to be downloaded for this? Sorry about that. Oh. And we're back. Yeah, it's just. Who are you going to call yourself? Just get a call. Yeah, what are we? Joe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh, just Joe, so everybody, you know, will be consistent throughout uh, you know, the, the conversation. Okay. I guess cool. I'll just be Joe. Um, why not? Okay, so I'm here. Do I have to download any type of software? Yes. I do. It's All a right. very small program. It's not very resource intensive, and it doesn't cost you anything to operate. And you'll be able to talk to people from all over the world about this subject. Okay. One thing I'd like to add, just to just to sort of get it on this uh, particular show, as far as when we were talking about human nature, and just a simple logical exercise for anyone to kind of think about when you think what is human nature or any nature, um, is just look at. Any example of, okay, if you think greedy, uh, for, you know, for an example, well, is every single human being that ever lived greedy? Are you greedy? I mean, I, I, there was a time where I was a greedy, where I was greedy, but I'm not now. And I know plenty, you know, I can think of plenty of examples of people who aren't. But well, yeah, that's definitely true. Um, and I, I, well, I mean, that, you get run into the same human nature arguments people always give us is like, you know, they, the one that I, I got tired of listening to on Independent Political Report, for example, during our, our Boston Tea Party caucus thread was that uh, this lady kept saying, you know, well, what about gay guys like John Wayne Gacy and Jeffrey Dahmer? You see, that's, that's 
human nature. That's why these people are acting like that. And I'm like, if that was human nature, then why is it that those people make up like 1% of the population? And if that was human nature, then why is he acting like that? <laughs> you know, if you use that logic, then we should all be serial killers. Obviously, yeah, exactly. something created them. Well, and, and I have... I have there's a question. Right, I, and again, I think... A, go ahead, uh, Joe. I think a, I'm sorry, Joe. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Um, with relation to um, human nature again, what a, why is it then that people who fight against the system, once they get elected, become corrupt? Uh, the money, well, there's a lot of contributing factors to that. I can tell you that as being a candidate myself. Um, one of the things, really, is this is one of the reasons why I just don't have any confidence in the democratic system. It's just that it, it is all bought and paid for. Um, whether you believe in voter fraud or not, it doesn't change the fact that if you're not going along with them, they will do everything they can to get rid of you. And that's why we have two guys, I'd say two, out of the entire Congress, who I think even care about us. And even they have to, to toe the line a little bit. And that's right. Congressman Ron Paul and Dennis Kucinich. And they try to get rid of them every chance they get. There's one senator I like, Senator Dorgan. Um, and that's it. That's three statesmen out of the entire government. Um, the rest of them, you know, it's, it's kind of a matter of you either play along or we'll get rid of you or we'll dig up stuff on you. You know, um, we'll True. find out that you had an affair X year or whatever. There, there's always, you know, everybody's got some kind of skeleton. And the corporations, if you're not going along with it, they will find a way to screw you. Uh, like, when, for example, when they try to get rid of Ross Perot, um, with him they threatened to take, like, they made these really good photos of his daughter, mm -hmm. um, and she was just getting ready to get married, and they threatened to try to expose that his daughter supposedly had cheated on, uh, on her fiancé. It, it was all bullshit. They admitted it was bullshit, and that's why he dropped out of the race. That's an example of how these things happen. You either go along with it and get rich, or you get ruined. Now, Thunder, you wanted to say something? No, uh, no, I'm, I'm good. Okay. Uh, on the note of uh, people like John Wayne Gacy, by the way, um, I was looking at a TED Talk. I, the name escapes me at the moment of a neurobiologist who actually basically did a study into pathological behavior, psychopathic behavior in, uh, in people and the most predominant genes and everything else as a, that, that would lead to that behavior. Um, I would strongly advise to begin with that uh, anybody listening to this, including Joe, who, who hasn't really heard a lot about this concept, check out the, um, the uh, London lecture, which is on the first page that you were linked to there, the zeitgeistmovement.com. Um, there's a, there's a, he goes fairly far in depth into how genes play a role in our behavior and how I think the way he says it is, nature actually dictates, nurture dictates the nature. Yeah, um, yeah, that was a very good argument. Um, yeah, that the fact that like the things that happen trigger uh, the chemical reactions. Well, it is, it's once again actually this this talk actually attested to that. He had nothing to do with the Venus Project, but he basically attested to the fact that uh, I think it's called manoamine oxidase A is a genetic enzyme. It's an enzyme. Um, encoded into the MAOA gene and um, basically what this does is it's more pro prominent in males um, because it's carried along the chromosome most predominant in males and basically this will be recessive in your, your genes until you're exposed to an incredibly violent instance in your youth and this doesn't mean as, as the guy says being spanked as a kid this means something 
incredibly harmful to you. You will, as a result, grow up to behave that way, but it won't come into action until you are exposed to incredible violence. So with that in mind, it does kind of attest to the fact that nature is basically dictated by your surroundings. Um, right, and I, I, no, reason, no reason whatsoever to believe that this, this is a, a solitary circumstance. It's pretty much the same can be said for almost all genes. Go ahead, Thunder, right. and then I have a statement. Yeah, I, I just was going to say real quick, I remembered what I was going to say. I, I, I think a perfect example of the nature versus nurture argument, and I hope somehow Peter figures out to use excerpts from this movie in in, in Zeitgeist 3, and that is Trading Places. And I know it's just a movie, but I think that the script writers in that movie knew and understood uh, the difference you know, between nature and nurture when they when they created that whole scenario. Do you know Do you know who the who the movie uh, scriptwriter was? Do you know who the director of that movie was? I don't. I don't Aaron remember. Aaron Russo. Yeah, same guy that just recently died and made that uh, freedom to fascism. That's really funny. Yeah, that was really funny. I used to work on his radio network too. Nice. Yeah. Um, just to finish my point I was making earlier, I, I kind of got cut off on it, but what I was getting to was just the most, I've done it before, but I, I just wanted to get it out there again, that what is the most basic instinct that everyone would agree, oh, that's definitely instinct, human nature. Self-preservation. Exactly. Survival. Survival, right? And yet, you have suicide, and you have people, I mean, you can give all sorts of, oh, well, they're sick mentally or whatever. You have people that are willing to give their lives for certain causes, knowing that it's going to destroy you know, self-destruction, and yet they're willing to do that for certain causes. Whether those causes be good or bad isn't really the issue. The point is, even the most predominant thing that we say is human nature or nature for any creature, we can see plenty of examples where it's defied. Well, why is that? There's something with environment, something with their way of thinking, their indoctrination, their culture, whatever it is, that gives them to bypass this so-called nature, which to me says... Nature, what does that mean? It doesn't mean much of anything unless there's something in place to activate it or to reinforce it or to uh, bypass it, whichever. Yeah, definitely. Um, Joe, uh, is that thing helping you get an event or what? I mean, we've only got like 10 minutes, 20 minutes before this thing kicks you off, and I want to make sure if you have any questions. No, uh, I, I, went to, I went to the home page because I'm hoping that um, uh, the person who was telling me about um, the other topic we had a few seconds ago I said he was on, it was on the homepage. I forget now what it is because I can't find it. <laughs> so I slipped my mind. Uh, the homepage on... on uh, if you, if you on, just basically go to the zeitgeistmovement.com, it should be on there. There's basically, I think it's a Vimeo link. Oh, the video? Um, an in, a embedded video to oh, the, yeah, uh, the lecture that people go to yeah. in London. I think he gave that link yeah. directly on Vent. Yeah. yeah, let's just get him on Vent. Um, and yeah, for those of you who are listening, if we if we disconnect this call, then we're not going to be able to get a hold of Joe. So that's why we're trying to get him on a Ventrilo now. Cause it's all right, now that's all you want me to do. Now I wasn't thinking about doing it now. Let me go back. <laughs> oh, I just want to make sure you get in because Ventrilo is a lot easier to learn when you have somebody talking to you voice-wise. Oh, okay. Hold on. Let me um, download the uh, software then. Thanks again, guys, for calling in and all that. I know that everybody's kind of talked over top of each other. This is why I don't generally have a show with seven panelists. Apologies, we couldn't wait to on the on on Ventrilo. I suppose it was just kind of 
all too interesting to pass up a chance to maybe get a bit of a, a word in. No, I understand. This is why I have you guys come in. Go ahead, Paradigm. That, that irresistible urge to just dogpile when you already see five people uh, just, you know, stumbling over one another. <laughs> Absolutely. I suppose we all have a bit of an anarchist in us. Well, I think the conversation went very well. Um, have you been having and conversations I, I hope that we can with, it. Have you have, have you been having conversations with people who just argue and just uh, talk over everybody and just get rude? Um, generally, that's what I get. Oh. I got that even when I was, and uh, even when I was a libertarian, like hardcore. I, I just my experience with the vast majority of the party was that they were all like that. Uh, um, when Senator Mike Gravel and I went to the Libertarian National Convention, there were so many just punk kids who uh, clearly were just, you know, just they were there because they're mad at their person, you know, <laughs> you, you know, that's their whole motivation at everything, and, you know, they don't want anything to ever have authority over them at all, and so they just get mean and crude for just no reason. I mean, I'm all about getting angry. I mean... And when it comes to a good cause, I mean, you should, if you could go back and listen to any of my speeches when I was running for Congress about the war, mm-hmm. we could talk about getting angry. Uh, but it's just, it's in many cases, it, even, it didn't even have any intellectual value the way they were acting. And oh, um, okay. it, that's why I value guys like you and uh, the, the caller I had on earlier, you know, TVMH, because he was able to articulate himself without flipping out. You know, it's just like that stuff at those town hall meetings you're seeing about Mm-hmm. Healthcare. Some of these people are yes screaming, and it just that's not getting your point across at all. And in the Venus Project, we're really big on trying to open up communication, close up ad hominem, you know, and give, give everybody an equal playing field to talk on things because that's how real uh, communication happens. Communication only happens between people that respect each other as equals. It does not happen in a situation where, oh, I'm going to go get that guy, you know. Right. And generally, we try to avoid those kinds of conversations. Unfortunately, like, I had to go on for, like, eight pages with this Nimrod, um, I, you know, who's, like, a really weird anarchist. I don't know what the deal was, but his name was, like, Soak, and he believed in things like spontaneous order, and his favorite phrase was, has no legitimatist over me. Uh, like everything had no legitimate authority over him. And when I said, look, it's not about authority. We just want to switch to thinking logically to get, you know, to do things logically and use science. And he's like, well, science has no legitimate authority over me either. (laughs) And I said, so what about gravity? Does gravity have any authority over you? He's like, well, no, what is gravity? It's just a word. It's not a rule. So I told the guy, I said, all right, well, why don't you climb to the top of a really tall building inform gravity that it has no legitimate authority over you and that it's just a word and not a rule, leap off the building, get back to me when you tell me how your philosophical argument with gravity went. Mm. You know, and that's, that's the, just, these people don't even want to subject themselves to fucking reality, to science. You know, I mean, nothing can have authority over me. And if everybody's just free to do whatever they want, then everything will be okay. And you know what? You know what? Here's the thing. All, all that really required for a discussion to occur to to be successful. It doesn't, you don't even necessarily have to be respectful. Two things have to occur. You have to present your position as best as you can present it, and somebody else has to understand your position as best as they can ex- understand it. Most of the time that people get in arguments is because one person is saying something, and the other person doesn't understand what they're saying, and then the other person says something, and then you don't understand what they're saying, and then you respond to something that you assume they said, and then it's just tailspins, you know, into just mm-hmm. oblivion, basically. Oh, okay. All that is 
one further than that and say that it, it doesn't even necessarily need to be that the person understands your argument in its entirety. It can just be a matter of wanting to understand your arguments. Because all too often, you come across people who are just completely adverse to you even before they've talked to you. Fanatics. So, yeah, I agree. Right. Fanatics. It's yeah. just exchanging information, right? I mean, that's if we're logical, reasonable people, all we have to really do is just exchange information. I have to be open to information just as I am willing to give it. And if both sides are interested in doing that, even if you throw in a couple insults, that's not an issue. But that exchange of information is what's critical. And hopefully there's no need for insults, you know. But t definitely if you stumble upon a, an instance where there's just nothing but insults left and right, it's because or, or normally it's, it's, it's an indication that there isn't that exchange of information happening. Sometimes it does, but definitely the insults are an indication that something has gone awry, you know. Well, that's why, I mean, when ad hominem gets out of control, it, it kills everything, and it generally right. derails the topic, and it allows the person who's losing the argument to distract from the fact that they're losing and then to change the argument about their opponent mm -hmm. so as to not lose credit. That's why I said, like, the Penn and Teller episode about 9-11 really, really disappointed me because... And it signifies that, too. Yeah, the whole thing was a giant ad hominem. You know, yep. just let's just drop the F-bomb about 30 billion times you know, this is effing stupid and effing this and effing that, and anybody who thinks this is effing this and effing that, and I was just like, you haven't addressed a single piece of evidence in your whole show. You, you and just then gonna... there's this asshole, and they're like, right. yeah. yeah. Jeez, you know, it's somehow that made them right. And I was like, why does anybody pay to see your show? That that was just the biggest heap of trash I've ever seen. I just, it's the same thing. I mean, a lot of people do this. Like, um, on Democracy Now!, when I got to watch the kids... The, you know, two college kids from the uh, Loose Change group oh, loose change. annihilate, yeah, annihilate. They destroyed, they destroyed James Meg. They, 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 they absolutely made him look like an idiot. And the, the whole time, all he's saying is, you see, the mentality of conspiracy theorists is blah, blah. And he's like, you're not talking about evidence. I'm not talking about my mentality. Talk to me about free fall speeds. Talk to me about physics. You know, come on. What do you got? And they didn't have anything. And it was just about, let's just discredit people's psychology for daring to agree with any kind of conspiracy theory. Right. Yeah, I love that. When right. you try and invite scientists on your show and you end up getting psychologists, it's like we, that's yeah. not what we've done here for, thanks. So you got that thing downloaded yet, Joe? I, I have it. I'm now trying to install it. Uh, let's see. I was going to let out to Joe that, that um, one of the reasons we're trying to get you into Ventrilo is all this talking over and and all this childish behavior is kept to a very, very bare minimum on Ventrilo. And people that are very respectful, and they t most of the time, everybody takes their turn. And it's it's a very good avenue to uh, have these kind of conversations. Well, that's not the kind of conversation it's also, I, it's also I, like to, I like to talk over people. <laughs> <laughs> it's always great to have people who have different perspectives on things on, regardless of whether we... we for the most part agree or not really if somebody I actually have to commend you once again actually on your, your ability to come on here and basically just kind of stand up for what you believe in um, for, for the most part it, you, you've, done a, you've done a great job and the, the reality of it is I've learned a lot from hearing, hearing from somebody even if I do I have my questions about, about the concepts um, it was great to hear from you so oh, hopefully thanks. then thanks uh, okay, I've I've installed it. Now I have the uh, the um, the window up that says this is the first time you have run Ventrilo. Would you like to read the online tutorial? Should I do that? Don't worry about that. We'll help you. 
<laughs> yeah, the, the link we gave you probably gives you a better explanation anyway. Um, but but basically, that now you're you're to the part where you need to uh, put in a username. Put, you put in our IP and all that other stuff. Username, yeah. Okay, let me. All right, select new name. Okay, I'm gonna put in Joe. I don't know, that's Joe. Does anybody? Yeah, know Joe. We don't. We don't have another Joe, so we, okay. you'd be the only Joe. So all that's right. all good. Okay, Joe. Finish. All, right. all right. Okay. Okay. Server. Do I? Okay, I've clicked on it. Do I need to do anything? That's when you gotta you gotta highlight, copy, and paste that ventrilo server dot biz uh, address, and uh, copy, copy, and paste it. Also, I can feed you the address if you prefer. Yeah. Could you? Okay, so yeah. new server. Has, I'm at the name field now. Do I have to put in www? And you got to change. Yeah, and you got to no. change the last the last two digits of the port number from eight four to nine five. So it should stay like three. I think it's three seven nine five. So can somebody? You're at the host name. Um, I have the server name. I'm at the server name is uh, field now. You, you can put anything you want. That's just for you to recognize. Oh, okay. So just call it Zeitgeist or something. How about Joe? Is that okay? Sure. Okay. Well, the server name is the Zeitgeist Movement server, so. Oh, okay. Let me put in Joe Zeitgeist. Just as long as you know where you're going. The server name yeah, just, is just, just a memory aid. That's all it's there for. Oh, okay. So I'm going to put in, all right, let me put in Zeitgeist. Zeitgeist mm -hmm. Movement. All right. And port number is not 37. Oh, host name. What do I have to put in there? Okay, I can just tell it to you. You ready? Yeah. It's NYC two. NYC dot two dot. NYC two. I mean, and the two is the the number two, not not the word spelled out. So NYC two dot. Ventrilo. Ventrilo. Ventrilo servers. Ventrilo servers. S e r v e s dot. B i z and Ventrilo is spelled with only one L. Right. Okay. All right. I have. All right, I have M as in Mary, YC2 dot V-E-N-T-R-I-L-O, servers dot biz. Change the M to an N as in Nathan. Okay, so that would be like New York City then, NYC. Yeah. Okay. Correct. Okie doke. And port number 3784 should be changed to? 9-5. Last two digits, nine Oh, the last two digits, 3795 then. Three. Correct. Okay, and my own password? I put in a password? Don't worry about it. Okay. You no don't one. need one yet. All right. You don't need to fill anything else out. Just click on connect and you're good to go, buddy. Okay, okay. Server is available. Please connect. Connect. Message there he is. Day. There you are. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you, guys. And now we hello. If you just click into the English channel, that's where are we at. Okay. So let me... Just double click on English and it'll put you in there. Okay. English. Button. All right. Click the chat button and uh, the chat button, like until we get your microphone set up, you'll be able to communicate us with, with us on the chat. So, all right, everybody. Now that we've gotten him in here. All right, I'm in. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Okay. Yep. Just in, just just in the nick of time, too. Yeah, because uh, we gotta go. So um, I will talk to all of you later. Thank you all for tuning into V Radio. Um, I'm going to go ahead and disconnect the call now, and I look forward to seeing all of you later. Okay. Take care. Thanks, Take care. Bye. Thanks. Adios. Bye-bye.